0: What should we talk about? Yes.
1: Um, <clears throat> I found that uh, if we try to enhance the awareness, um, I feel like we need to uh, need a kind of a force in the body. Okay, I, I try to catch the moment. Don't, don't lose my mind. Mm-hmm but in another sense um, we should relax if our body not relax means we are still wanting something so it causes the tense of the muscle right. so how to balance the uh, motivation and uh, craving in the meditation
0: how? I don't know uh, you, have, uh, you have to have motivation without craving yeah but uh, craving in meditation is craving for particular kinds of experiences, either because they are uh, satisfying in themselves—they're, you know, feelings uh, of joy, happiness, bodily pleasure, things like that—but you, you can have desire for those sensations because of the satisfaction they give you. And then the other kind of uh, craving that enters into meditation is uh, it's, the, it's, it's satisfying the ego's need to accomplish something, done something, succeeded, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing uh, just as good as I did before, better than I did before. You know. And so these are the problems. So you need to distinguish between uh, healthy motivation uh, and motivation is driven by this kind of desire and, and craving. So uh, the, the desire for the long-term goal of motivation, which you uh, are not going to expect to have uh, happen in a particular moment or during a particular sit, provides strong motivation without creating an attachment to that happening in the moment or to a particular experience. And other than that, it's a question of just recognizing, you know, you you do, we all have those experiences of uh, uh, the craving, the ego gratification of success. And you have had them you've recognized them, you know you'll continue to have them. So it's just a question of recognizing when that is arising and being mindful of it. You know, aha, there that is. Of course it's there. I still have have an ego and I still have desires. So of course that comes up. And then you just let go of it. Uh, And likewise, uh, when we have a meditation experience that is particularly pleasurable and satisfying and enjoyable, It's natural, completely natural, for the desire to repeat that experience, or to hold on to that experience to come up, and so uh, it's not that it shouldn't, because it will, it's that you'll recognize it for what it is, and you will uh, just be in the same way, be mindful of it, and let it go, let it be, if it's going to be there, let it go away by itself. Rather than judge yourself at all, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, oh no, here I am attached, I shouldn't be attached. Well, that's another kind of attachment, that's another kind of craving and judgment. You know, it's the equanimity towards, yes, of course, these desires arise, but I don't need to, uh, I, I don't need to let them be what compels me. And so you can come from a strong case, a place of strong, wholesome meditation. And part of the letting go of desires is, the, is, is relaxing, you know. If there's tension in your body, as you say, if, you, if you're aware that if there's tension in your body, it's because there's craving in your mind. Then at the same time that you relax the body, you let go of the craving. Yeah.
1: But in the meantime, you also mentioned that um, we need ins- uh, inspiration yeah. to increase our energy. Yeah. But, so that is...
0: I don't know what, this thing is, is. Uh, what is the problem that you are perceiving in that?
1: I think your meditation, maybe if, uh, you are right. But I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I want to do a good meditation and mm-hmm. want to stay good. So I um, try to focus and use the use the thoughts of the mind that I want to lost mm-hmm. and to try to try to catch every moment. But at the time, its body becomes to uh, to uh, the muscle mm-hmm. intense and relax it and come again.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's just whenever you become aware of that, relax it come, and come back into the moment. And there's a there is an element of uh, of trying and. Uh, it's uh, it's it's hard to overcome, you know. Unless I, I I keep saying over and over again, uh, you can't make anything happen. All you can do is create the conditions for it. The actual task that you perform in meditation practice practice is is so simple that you can't really do it harder. <laughs> you know, uh, bringing. If your awareness begins to uh, diminish, bringing it up is not something that lends itself to doing harder. And so when you have the sense of trying harder and striving, you, know, you recognize, well, this is... I, 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 I must be doing something that's outside of the practice. I'm imagining that I can force something that happens that won't. You know, if, if I want to be perfectly aware in the moment, it's not a question of exerting to do something, it's a question of being aware, being alert, and not doing. Being completely present in the moment is not being caught in the past, and it's not being uh, dragged into the future. It's a, being in the present is more of a not doing. So if you're doing it properly, it's not going to be a really, you know, trying to do kind of thing. It's a, it too is, it's a letting go. It's being here now, it's being here now. It's letting go of, you know, even on the very fine scale of how I imagine that I'll be. In a moment, after I've succeeded in being completely in the present, well, that's in the future too. The present is just the present. It's just it's right here. It's what happens. It's what's happening in the moment. Being tense is what's happening in the moment. Letting go is what's happening in the moment. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, just just keep practicing, and when you find yourself. Getting that into that place of striving, doing harder and everything else, realize that that okay, I'm I'm a little bit off here and just relax, come in into the present and just remember what the practice is and let go of that, right? Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm sorry, please continue. I don't want no, to stop I, you. I, uh, I, 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 want, I want to make sure you're can't come to, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my sits have been uh, inconsistent, and um, for for the ones that I have strong concentration and, uh, and awareness, uh, naturally when the mind is aware of the clean, mm-hmm. uh, the mind knows that it's causing uh, suffering, and it chooses naturally to let go of it, and then naturally the sit becomes better, and better is uh, it has. The, the momentum to get better, but there are times when the uh, concentration and the mindfulness are not strong, mm-hmm. and uh, the mind clings and it always clings to a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I know already. You know, it's because I want I want strong, powerful. You know, focus. I have a great desire for a, a, a very very um, clear awareness, and I I want um, I don't want to have any discursive thoughts. And then those are cleans. Okay. But the thing is I have a coarse method of dealing with this. Uh, it's kinda like, you know, the boy that never cares about cat you know, chasing after girls always gets the girls. Mm-hmm. And the and the and the boy, you know, trying really, really hard to chase after girls never gets any girls. Mm-hmm. And and so this principle applies the same way. I just tell myself, I don't care if I have discursive thoughts. I don't care if uh, if my focus is not good, I don't care if uh, if my if mm-hmm. my uh awareness is not clear. And because because I did that, and then and then the, the awareness actually becomes a lot stronger. Right. Yeah. The discursive thoughts actually is a lot less. Mm-hmm. And then I, I can gradually build up the momentum. Yeah. So my concentration and awareness actually gets strong enough and it started he starts to be aware of the subtle cleans. Mm-hmm. And and then it has the momentum. Yeah. But of course, it's a very coarse method.
0: It, you know, I hope there's a better way to deal with it than that. <laughs> I I don't know that it's so coarse. It's uh it's, it is. That's the very essence of it. It's recognizing that you know you're, that you're clinging to something, and making that shift instead of clinging, clinging and grasping, just letting go. You know. So it's. Uh, uh, I'm not, from what you said, I'm not sure I understand Mm. why you consider it coarse. It could be done coarsely or it could be done subtly, I suppose, but you know, it doesn't make any difference. The method, that's basically is, that basically is the method right there. Mm. Just uh, uh, accepting whatever is happening in the moment and practicing appropriately rather than. Wanting it to be in a different way, you know. If you uh, if you think about this, you recognize that if you're having thoughts arising, you're you're uh, and you weren't earlier, then you're, you're clinging to something that's past. That past that past sit is over. Again. <laughs> it's, it's it's doesn't exist anymore. The only one that you have is now, and if your mind is clinging to what happened in the last set, then, it's, then you're not hearing now. Yes, but uh, the
2: reason why I think it's coarse is because I'm anticipating, I don't really see the problem, but I, I just assume that the problem, that that's a problem already because in the past, it's always been those problems. And, and so I'm kind of anticipating, uh, I'm, I'm kind of guessing where the problem is and I'm throwing solutions out there and it just happened to work. You know, it's just very probable that's, that's my problem once again. Yeah. And so it's not catered. It's not like a customized solution. Ah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: But as long as it works, that's good. Yeah.
2: yeah it, works, uh, it works to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: the problem comes is it works, and then you get attached to the idea that it's working.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then you have a new problem because you expect it to work, so you have a new clean. Yeah, <laughs> and then if it does not work, you're gonna get angry, and then you have a new set. problems that's why it's
0: coarse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then it can get into the, you know, it can go on forever. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll go on forever. It's yeah. a very,
2: very coarse solution.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And That's why it's, it's important not to think about it too much. Just do it. Do, do, yeah. do the letting go, and, and then it's over. With. Thank you. Of What's that? kind of salt? Salt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> salt? A kind of soft for Salt. was
0: thinking the question What's happening?
1: Well, you measure that. Let's actually know something so-called a bad meditation. Yes. Yeah. And like, what's a good meditation?
0: A, a good meditation is where you you recognize what's happening in the moment, and you practice according to what's happening in the moment. That's a good meditation. Yeah uh and so you know uh, people naturally can especially if you've had a meditation where you've had no thoughts and no mind wandering and you sit down and you're starting to have a lot of thoughts and mind wandering you say oh i had a good meditation well this is a bad meditation but it's it's not a bad meditation it's just what it is as long as your mind has uh, the potentiality to uh, engage in mind wandering when you sit, it means that you need to do further practice in recognizing the wandering and bringing it back. That's all it means. Yeah, so, um, it just means that there's a little more work to be done, and now you have the opportunity to do that work. Because the times where you don't have forgetting and mind wandering. Those are those are the times you're reaping the benefits of your earlier practice. And those times when you do have any sort of mental activity that is not consistent with samatha, uh, it's just showing you that you know you, there's still more work to be done, and that's the this is your opportunity to do that particular work today. Sometimes the opportunity that's presented to you is to deal with dullness. Be grateful for it. That's uh, the difference in attitude between saying, Oh no, I have so much dullness and sleepiness today, and, Oh, wonderful, this is what I'm being presented with the opportunity to work with too. Um. Well,
1: sometimes when we realize we lost oh, and we tend to think, Oh... It's too late, or it's too long, I lost too long. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we have uh, anticipation in that, okay, I cannot last too long. Right. And we will complaining, that we lost too long. But and we still can um, can uh, do it better you know, gradually. Mm-hmm. Uh, before it really lasts, we can right. see the signs of the loss. That's right, yeah.
0: And that's where you want to. You know, that, that's what you prefer to do, that's what you want to do, that's what you would like to see happen. But, <clears throat> if that's not what's happening, that's not what's happening, but it is what will happen. And that's, you know, the, the way that you uh, overcome uh, forgetting is by Recognizing when the mind is uh, being taken over by some distraction that is going to lead to forgetting, before the forgetting actually happens, and then as you become more skilled, the way that uh, that you keep some background thought that has arisen from becoming a gross distraction and. and either standing side by side with the meditation object or displacing it, is just simply recognizing that it was there, recognizing that that shift was starting to take place and correcting for it. So um, what is really changing is your ability to be aware on the one hand so that you can initiate correction, and on the uh, on the other hand, uh, in a subtle way, the corrections are starting to happen by themselves and be more and more automatic. So that uh, it, there, there comes to be more of a flow to it.
1: I see my, maybe my problem is uh, uh, if I this is my first day uh, to do the sitting. I will not, will not complain so much because uh, I would think, oh, this is my first beginning of meditation. So, it's all this natural, so I lost yeah. 10 minutes. But uh, maybe the problem for me is, oh, I'm, I'm thinking that, okay, well, I kind of uh, did it better when I sit at home. How mm-hmm. okay, can I retreat? I am not so good. So maybe that's the problem. So.
0: Dad, you're making comparisons yeah. and judging, yeah.
2: That's a good reason for, for, for you know, being in the retreats, how harder you have better practice because we're sitting a lot more. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for us to have pains yeah, and, right. and, mm-hmm. and you know mental stress and etc. because okay. at home we can take a break, we can take a break, break for hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and in, yeah. the, in the daytime we have a kind of a loss of mind so many times so yeah. it's, it, by comparison you know, you know you even if you say oh, oh you're well we're good you know. Exactly. Not yeah. Not yeah. Not yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah. And it's easy to have pretty good concentration for an hour, but to have pretty good concentration for six hours—that's a different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, takes you to a new level. Yeah. Because it's not exactly
2: the most comfortable thing to be sitting for hours and hours. You know, it's much more comfortable to be maybe lying or. Sitting on a couch or walking around, jumping around, playing sports—it's <laughs> probably a lot, a lot more comfortable You're know, doing those things. You know, sitting naturally inherently will, will have some discomfort.
0: Yeah. And there's there's all the different kinds of restlessness. Your mind craves, craves uh, stimulation. Your mind craves pleasure and. Uh,
2: When we play sports, it seems to relieve a lot of the stress Mm -hmm. and uh, the the anxiety, the worry, and etc. And um, over here, we we just sit or walk slowly, which is, you know, everything is slow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the retreat's over. Now, what you need to recognize is that for the first. A few hours or a day or so, your your mind is going to be much more open and sensitive. And you go out into the world. You know, don't uh, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to get bombarded with a lot of uh, stimulation all at once. Try to ease yourself into it, and guard your senses, guard your mindfulness. You know, you're going to see. Uh, uh, Naturally, a deterioration in the uh, strength of your mindfulness and the calmness of your mind as you go back into the world and uh, more things start to happen. But uh, not only don't don't do something tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening that is going to Bounce you right out of this mental state. Or overwhelm you with stimulation because you'll be very vulnerable. But the other thing is, guard what you have. You know, uh, When you go home tomorrow, try to find some time to sit tomorrow night. Guard what you have. Um, and, uh, and the next day, and the next day. Try to, for as long as you can, preserve the quality of mindful awareness and concentration that you have built up here and uh, to the degree that you can refresh it and renew it through every opportunity that you have to practice. But also, don't be surprised and disappointed that it's not going to stay because you know this very special environment uh, supports a sustained level of concentration and mindful awareness and your life in the world isn't going to support it as well. So don't be upset and disappointed and frustrated. But just go, go with what is. But don't, don't allow yourself to be defeated too easily. <laughs> Do everything you can to continue it and to build on it. And, to, uh, and in your practice, you know, a week, two weeks, a month from now remember the, all of those lessons that you learned in the course of your practice here, all of the little tricks, all of the things you noticed about how your mind works, and make use, of, make use of that so that uh, uh, your practice continues to develop. And this, that's a really important time to remember that, okay, when uh, two or three weeks after the treat is over with, and you sit down and your meditation is nowhere near as strong and clear as it was uh, on Saturday morning or Sunday morning or Friday night or something like that at the end of the retreat. That's the time to remember that, that, not that I had something and I lost it, because you haven't. All of the training that you have done of your mind, it hasn't gone anywhere. But you're now, you now have the opportunity to do even more training. The world has stimulated the level of activity of your mind and has dispersed the focus. And so, so now you have the opportunity to do the exercise of practicing bringing it back. Okay, So you haven't really lost anything. It is only the appearance of it being Less. You know, so if we, if we compare this meditation in retreat from this meditation sometime after retreat, only on the basis of the degree of distraction and dullness that's present, we might find this one's not as good as that one. But if we could see a deeper level, we would see that if you've been keeping up the practice since the meditation, that the level of training of the mind, like the strength of the muscle, reached a certain level. You know, we've had uh, intensive workouts every day, and so it reached this level. If you've kept them up every day, you know, it hasn't kept going up like this, but instead it's still gradually increasing. And so the level of training that you've accomplished may even, it should be even greater, even more than it was when you left the retreat, if you've been maintaining the practice. Even though when you sit down, in the face of the, the distraction and the burdens and the fatigue of life, it, the manifestation may appear to be less. It's not really true, or shouldn't be really true. The only way it would really be true, you know, the same way if you did exercise and you built your muscles up to a certain degree, if you quit working out entirely, the muscles are going to become weaker. But if you keep on working out, even though not with the same intensity, you won't lose what you've gained. You'll only add to it. So that's the principle for you to take with you here. It's good thing you said that, because I was thinking about renting some movies and just sit back and relax. <laughs> You know, it's up to you to decide what to do. But if you, if you did that, you'd realize what you're going to do to the mental state that you needed. So. Well, now I realize it. is <laughs> <laughs> not the last thing to do, is that it? I
2: was <laughs> yeah, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to just borrow DVDs that
0: you like at home. Get a movie and then, as as the movie unfolds, watch the reaction of your mind to everything that happens in the
2: movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Practice mindful awareness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's ego identification. Oh, there's judgment. <laughs> 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 so
1: we have. Okay,
0: question? Can I have. Yes, you can. Right. We got time, so. So mm-hmm. we need to sit here and look at each other or we can ask your questions sorry
1: no more else to ask no it's good <laughs> uh, I found uh, especially uh, the counting numbers of the uh, breath mm-hmm. the mind tends to create the image for the counting mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of a line you know I count one and, and the breath goes and two so it's become a line mm-hmm. right? in the beginning I didn't realize that Mind create the image mm-hmm. in the brain. Yeah. So yeah. later on I just try to try to try not to let my mind create the a create image like a line, but just I uh, say just put the new image into the first image. So that the first image can disappear. So for example one two, I put two on the on the vine. Mm-hmm. And uh, in by doing this, it's kind of a little bit better, because I, I don't create a memory of the rest.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and if that that's works, that's that's great. Images do arise, um, and all sorts. Everyone's different. Somebody's image might be in, yeah. out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. I could take any kind of form. No. Uh, Images arise and uh, they're another aid. uh, As a matter of fact, if the images are are very helpful to use them, you might abandon the counting and use the image. But uh, all of these things, their usefulness is is temporary. And so the important thing is to recognize when they cease to be useful and let go of them. But other than that, you know, uh, the general principle is anything that, that helps go ahead and take advantage of it and make use of it. I find it very interesting. I don't
1: tend to create uh, these images. The mind just clicks yeah. by himself.
0: They write spontaneously. And also, uh, when the images come, it's not the case that you should say, oh, this shouldn't be here and try to make it go away. You know, you, you could make use for it, use of it or you could ignore it. It arises spontaneously, uh, and they will. If you don't reinforce them, they will go away spon- spontaneously. So, uh, the, the correct attitude towards them is: yes, of course, you you're not deliberately making them. They just arise, and you don't need to deliberately make them go away or deliberately make them stay. Either one. As as a matter of fact, uh, as you always want to be. Moving in the direction of being the more and more uh, just purely in the state of the observer and saying that my mind does this, uh, neither trying to make anything in particular happen, nor attaching to anything that happens as I, you know, this I-making that we do. I made an image and then I made the image go away. Yeah. So. Thank you. Good questions. Yeah. They would seem, except for you, I've answered everybody else's questions already. i <laughs> history. They don't but have any more questions. People forgot about their
2: questions. They don't have any
0: more questions. <laughs>
2: Yesterday we had so many questions. We? But we save it for tonight, but <laughs> oh, <tonight>. <laughs> we might
0: not have time. <laughs> yeah, one hour is very short.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. well, a question, but not relevant to me at this this moment. Uh, is come? Does Janus come uh, also like environment accidentally or we can? Just oh, the Janus,
0: the genre's kind of like everything else. Uh, in meditation. They are development in a particular direction and so you uh, the they're the same as enlightenment in that all you can really do is create the causes and conditions or create the conditions uh, but uh, it's uh, the necessary conditions are much easier both to identify and to practice and, and so you know uh, it's it's not so much an accident. It's it's much more the result of uh an extension. I think it
1: was tested in this web, so I'm thinking that maybe Jhanas is uh can be uh, it's more easier for us to to um to get into it compared to the management <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, yes, the jhanas and and there's uh, there are light jhanas that don't involve as much concentration and then there's the the deep jhanas which you can do at stage 10 and uh, with the principle that until you are completely enlightened you keep creating the conditions for your enlightenment Uh, jhana practice is one of those conditions so that at a certain point in your stage, if you haven't already achieved the final goal, or perhaps even if you have. But if you haven't already achieved the final goal, then you may choose to practice the jhanas as a way to continue creating the conditions. Yes? Are you sure?
2: (laughs) Thank you. Yesterday you were saying that if there's a pill for us to take and then we'll all achieve like the highest jhanas, you wouldn't want us to do that because we would uh, not learn a lot of important lessons that we would have learned through going through the hardship dealing with uh, a lot of the problems. Um, Can you uh, 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 describe uh, the list of the things that you hope us to learn in the process of achieving
0: good meditation? okay uh okay that's a that's a very good question in the process of achieving good meditation uh what I'd like you to achieve are the insights beginning with an understanding uh, of a uh, purification of view of recognizing that uh, your the reality is a series of Conscious experiences one after another that you have. That's what your life is. That the in those conscious experiences there are two kinds of objects that are possible, and that's sensation and mental objects. Uh, and that you recognize in the process of this that uh, the concept of self and the feeling of self are not. Always present; that they are optional; that both the idea of self and the feeling of self are just examples of mental objects. Um, and, and in terms of mental objects and, and sensations, you know, there are five kinds of five general kinds of sensations corresponding to the five senses. Mental objects are all of those things that are known directly to the mind: thoughts, memories. Ideas, emotions, feelings, pleasure, uh, unhappiness, things like that. These these are all mental objects, right? So it's coming to recognize, you know, seeing very clearly and realizing that not only in meditation but throughout your entire life, it's been a sequence of experiences and these sensations and these mental objects. Seeing the relationship between them, that. Sensations arise and that we're barely aware of them before the mind's already put a mental object in place of it. So you hardly even hear the sound before the mind puts the concept of bird there, right? Yes. So you start to recognize. Um, To learn that... um I'm sorry.
2: Uh, If I I may ask you to... Because I I do see that, but what is the relevance of... Uh, seeing, uh, you know, how, how it's like when we're meditating, you know, like when I'm not sitting very, very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel a sensation, and, uh, and the mind will have an image. Mm-hmm. And then this image will, will be changing, flowing, mm-hmm. moving. And then the sensation is gone, this image correspondingly kind of fades. Mm-hmm. And then I feel another
0: sensation, the mind kind of has a. So, what is the relevance of this? Well, yeah. the relevance of this is that this is what's happening all the time. Sensations are arising, and the mind is superimposing a concept, oh. and that's what we're like a really, really
2: hard on. concept, but in fact it's based
0: on something just yes. sensation. That's what, what we're really, you know, we say, oh, I'm out in this world experiencing the world, but what it is is that we're having sensations and we're superimposing Concepts on it, so we're living in a world of our mental formations. Mm, right? I see, I see. And also noticing that most of the time, that there's a difference if you, when you look at sensations clearly, you see that any sensation is made up of many very small parts that arise and pass away in rapid succession, and that um, they leave an imprint on the mind. And so what you are attaching your concept to, your mental formation, is a pattern within sensation that's gone on long enough. And an example is that... Like a minute? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, not like a minute. It's like, you know, if there was a song that you knew really well, Mm -hmm. and I played it one note at a time, but I waited a minute between each note, you wouldn't recognize it, would you? Mm-mm. Right. Um, if I play it quickly, each note is already disappearing before the next, next note comes. You know, and, and even if it's a kind of instrument where the note lasts a while, mm-hmm. by the time we get two or three notes into it, the first note has already completely disappeared, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How do you recognize a melody when each note arises and passes away? It's because your mind keeps reverberating these sensations. And when you get enough of them together at once, you recognize, oh, that's my favorite melody, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the same way with all sounds, all tactile sensations, uh, everything you see, that it's, uh, it's, it, it comes in bits, and it's assembled by your mind into a whole, and then it's labeled. But also, what you'll discover... Um, is that, uh, okay, if you can imagine this as a spread out in time, so you can see it, there's sensation, 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 and then there's the mental object that you plant on what it is, and then your mind goes back to the sensations, and it follows them for a while, and then there's an image uh, now uh, of what you first conceived is uh, of it changing. Right? So you recognize, oh, that's a car, now the car's driving by, or that's whatever it is. It changes. You spread it out in time, you realize that your mind only touches in on sensations here and there. Most of what your mind is looking at is the concepts it generates. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the fact is that mostly what we're looking at is just the concepts. we're hardly aware of the sensations, and that's how come we can fool ourselves and not see what's really there, but we see what we expect to see. Okay. Uh, anyway, in meditation, just becoming aware that sensations and mental objects are related in this way. That sensations are not usually perceived very clearly, because what we perceive is the Mental object by which we recognize that sensation, and that predominates, and these these loom large in our consciousness, and, and they last a long time, and so that's that's the world that we're living in. In meditation, when you have the uh, what I'd like you, you know, not everybody would have this experience, but what I, I, I would hope that would happen is that you will learn to examine the actual sensation without the concepts. Right? With the breath, you examine the sensations of the breath. And at some point, uh, if you're examining that closely enough, <coughs> you're not even sure what's in-breath and out-breath anymore. Because in-breath and out-breath are concepts. They're yeah. not in-sensation. Right. the sensation. They're something that you added to it. And if you really pay attention to the sensations, there is no in-breath and out-breath. Mm-hmm. And if you pay attention closely enough to the sensations, they seem like substantial things that arise and pass away. or you know, there's warmth that arises and it passes away. And then there's touch and it arises and it passes away. But uh, you come to realize that it's all changing constantly. There isn't warmth that's there as a, in the same way. When warmth is there, when touch is there, when any sensation is there, even while you perceive it as being there, it's constantly changing, that there is nothing but change. So I'd like you to become aware that all there is is change. There is no such thing as permanent. There are no things other than the mental formations that our mind projects and what happens is out of a continuous flow of sensation, there are patterns. And the mind grasps onto the pattern and puts an image on top of it. Mm-hmm. It's a recognition on it. So, this, uh, You can, what I would like you to have in the process of developing your meditation, are an experience of impermanence as regards sensation. I would like you also perhaps to have the opportunity to notice that the mental formations too come and go and come and go and come and go, and, and, go and they too are impermanent. And they too arise, and when they're gone, they're gone. They're completely gone. They're replaced yeah. by something else. So that you have an experience of the impermanence of both kinds of objects. Sensation and mental formations are both impermanent. So in the process of this, you start to come to understand the emptiness of that which we perceive as real, uh, and the impermanence of both sensations and mental formations, that you see that self is not a substantially real thing, but rather self is uh, a kind of idea, and that every time that it arises, it's not even the same idea, and it's a kind of feeling. And that as an idea and as a feeling, it too is impermanent and it too is empty. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then I'd like you to also discover in the course of your meditation, as we've been talking about and that you have, that every time you cling or attach to something, that it brings you to a state of dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. That absolutely, without fail, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just an Oh yeah, I get the idea, but by gosh, every single time, no matter how subtle the clinging is, sooner or later it leads to dissatisfaction, right? I, that's why these it. So these are all the things that I want you to discover in the process of developing your meditation. This kind of thing. One of the
2: one of the cleans that I have. Uh is that I see impermanence all the time. Thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Wonderful. And the thing is, I want more. I want, I want, I want to gain a deeper, deeper insight. Is there more, more to it? Because I'm sitting here, I'm just coming, going, coming, going. Like maybe in one, one second, there's like 50, 60 beginning, ending. And, and I see this over and over and over again. And I want to get something out of it. But it's, you know, it just, it's, you know, I, I know this. I know things are impermanent. Right? I just kind of you know it takes 10 minutes for me to 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 really see it. So what
0: am I going to do with the rest of the 15 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well what you the, the things to be seen from impermanence are uh, in, impermanence also leads you to understanding emptiness. Mm. And so Hopefully, that's what will come. The other thing that it leads you to understand is that to attach to things that are impermanent is a cause of suffering, a cause of unsatisfactoriness. Mm. So, and those are the three characteristics: impermanence, emptiness, and uh, the suffering that comes from cleaning. You know, and and, and and that's where the that's where the dissatisfaction is. That's where the suffering is. Yes. It's in Are taking and clinging and attaching and craving and desiring things that are by their nature both impermanent and insubstantial. Mm -hmm. So spend the rest of your 50 minutes Mm -hmm. seeing that and understanding that more and more deeply, trying to come to the same level. You know, say you always see the impermanence of everything, wonderful. All you, you know, the next thing is to see the emptiness and the dissatisfactoriness with the same degree of constancy and persistence and clarity. Okay? Yes. Okay. Okay, so just
2: continually being very, very patient and just keep observing,
0: keep observing right. and then, you know, the insight will, will deepen. Right. Now with regard to impermanence, it's the easiest thing to see and it's the easiest thing to grasp, you know, and once you grasp it, the only way that you can really carry it to more depth Mm -hmm. is through understanding emptiness and and unsatisfactoriness and how that's rooted in desire and craving. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, both emptiness and dissatisfactoriness, you can keep keep taking you to deeper and deeper and more subtle levels of understanding. Mm. You know, the full understanding of emptiness is, is a very profound realization. So, you know, whereas it is the case that once you've fully grasped impermanence, you've fully grasped impermanence, and it doesn't have that much more to teach you. But once you begin to grasp emptiness, you you could keep taking that to a deeper and more profound level of understanding and its repercussions in terms of uh, uh, the way that it leads you astray. And the same thing, Mm -hmm. dissatisfactoriness is discovering, uh, when you take that deeper, is discovering the absoluteness of dissatisfaction and the totality of its dependence upon craving. That impermanence makes any kind of any kind of impermanent thing is a cause of dissatisfactoriness, not because it's impermanent, but because we have attachment, because there's there's this craving. And so in terms of understanding dissatisfaction, your dissatisfaction has to come to that level. Emptiness is not the cause of dissatisfaction. Craving and attachment to that which is empty are the cause.
2: Craving, say the last thing, then
0: craving and attachment. Craving and attachment are the cause of the dissatisfaction, not the emptiness itself. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes, right. yes. Except so a lot of times I forget about and that the world is a world of appearances generated by the mind uh, is not does not make the world suffering. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is that it's a world of appearances generated by the mind that we cling to and have craving for that makes it suffering. Mm-hmm. which is why last night, as Sue was saying, you know so are you say, is this a, a sense in which Samsara and Nirvana are the same. They are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody might think that well, uh, as long as there are forms arising, as long as there are appearances, mm-hmm. that this is suffering because all all appearances, all forms, uh, because they're empty, they're all suffering. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. They're actually perfect as they are. But it's if we crave and claim then they are suffering. That's what makes them suffering. So, in terms of insight into suffering, you want to keep going and going deeper and deeper in the direction of that realization, that the second truth. The cause of suffering is not that we exist. The cause of suffering is not that uh, things are empty. The cause of suffering mm-hmm. is that we crave mm-hmm. and yes. clean.
2: So, um I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want to. Yeah. Okay. So nobody else has a question. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, quite often in the past, uh, mm. I thought I realized something, but then, you know, later on, I gained a much deeper insight mm-hmm. into what seems to be exactly the same thing. Exactly. Yes. So, so we're, so right now, I feel like, okay, I understand all the concepts. I, I think I know it quite well, but I can know it way, way, way deeper. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, it is worth all that time on the cushion to invest that's in right. further, and that's why that's what,
0: what, what life should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just keep deepening yeah. the insights. Yes. Mm. Okay. Thank
2: you. Sure. Yes? Do you mean uh, our mind isn't pure or clean enough? It's
0: difficult and impossible to reach deep jhana. And uh, if uh, he said, if your mind is not pure, pure enough, enough, is it possible to reach deep jhana? It's
2: impossible and difficult to reach deep
0: jhana. Yes, yeah, the, the more in terms of terms of purification of the mind, the more impure your mind is, the more difficult it is to reach deep jhana. But it is not the case that your mind needs to be completely pure to reach deep jhana. The thing about the jhana factors, when they arise, is that they will completely suppress the impurities of the mind, temporarily, and allow you to reach deep jhana. whatever degree of purity or impurity that any of our minds is in, when we develop, you know, to cause the jhana factors to arise, we need to engage in a process of purification. But there's not some level, you know, if we could imagine that somehow you could have a scale that gauged purification of the mind, it's not that you have to have a certain level of purification but it's, you need to engage in the process of purification until the jhana factors arise and suppress the hindrances. And then you can enter deep jhana. And entering into deep jhana then will aid you in continuing the process of purification of your mind. But it's not like that there's a minimum level that we could point to. It's just that uh, the more Purification of mind, there is the easier it will be to enter into the jhanas, because the more quickly you come to the arising of the jhana factors and the suppression of the hindrances. Yeah. Good question. Thank you very much. Yeah. I
2: think we have chance <laughs> to reach jhana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But can we say a well trained mind can uh, switch very easily? to different mind states, say, to an absorptive state and to uh, a normal state.
0: Yes, it naturally becomes easier to uh, switch between those states. And also, the uh, qualities of samatha and and jhana uh, start to persist longer and and longer. The the jhana factors of uh, joy and happiness, tranquility and equanimity start to be easier to sustain even as you go out into the world and start engaging in different things you know you'll find you'll find they're still there but they're eroded by your interaction with the world but the more you practice uh, and the more time you spend in jhana and in samatha then the uh, more resistant they are to being eroded by the conditions of the world now the result of that is you're in a deep state of meditation, you get up and you do all these things, and then you go back and sit down again, much more rapidly do you move into the deep state. It becomes much easier. Because you haven't left it as completely as previously. That's a very good question, too. Thank you. Questions get really, really good now. Good thing this is recorded when I write my book. We'll put all the questions and answers.
2: (laughs) I noticed uh, some of my best uh, vipassana meditation is actually when I'm not sitting, when I'm just about to get ready to go to bed, lying there, uh, just being extremely mindful. I'm actually, uh, you know, I have better results with... With with that, then the allowing my sits, and I'm guessing the reason is because when I'm sitting, I have a lot of expectation, and you know I have a certain uh, things that I expect myself to accomplish, and I yeah. have cravings. And, uh,
0: I I think that you're you're probably right. Very good chance you're right. When you're going to bed and you practice mindfulness, it's sort of it's a freebie. And if I get something out this period or don't, well, I wasn't expecting to anyway. So you don't have those expectations. The, the worst way. thing I get is I fall asleep. That's right, <laughs> which is what you're planning to do anyway. <laughs> On the other hand, you sit down to practice. Okay, it's you know I'm investing time, I'm investing energy. I better get something for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I think you're right. That's that's probably the reason.
2: So wholesome attitude is extremely important for meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I have to learn something with, with my sleeping medication. Like, wholesome. Awesome, awesome, not, not clean, just sit without any uh, clean or expectation and just relax and enjoy. <laughs>
0: Gives you an urge to go and have a nap just so you can do it. <laughs> uh, last question, and then we'll have lunch.
1: Uh, I, I, it's not, not a question, but I want to see your comments. I found, uh, what I, how say, why I sit down, mm-hmm. so I try to, uh, intentioned, uh, intentionally to uh, to focus. Mm-hmm. So say, okay, uh, I uh, press faster. And instead in the beginning of the sitting. When the sit ends, I try to, uh, slow down. Mm-hmm. So the purpose is to, try to maintain the uh, continuity of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So try to remain in the seat for a while and get out of the studies. So this kind of practice is OK.
0: Mm-hmm. If it works, yeah. Uh, but just keep in mind that the less trying you do, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's holding an intention and then there's trying in the sense of making an effort and trying to be the creator of the result, you know. And so try to be aware of that difference, and to hold an intention is one thing, and and that's very positive. To formulate an intention or make a determination and just hold it in your mind, but uh, and, and then try to catch yourself when you get into the uh, role of "I am going to make it happen." Sort of thing. I go. All right. Well, thank you all very much for all this good material. I now get to include in my book.
2: (laughs) It's gonna be like five thousand pages.
0: It's longer all the time.
2: (laughs) Many different (laughs) volumes. All right. (laughs) Okay.